Chicago lives up to its nickname, the Windy City. Winds of up to 90 miles an hour bring the less hardy to a standstill or use them like a Scotsman's curling stones. Alley fight between Fitz and Combs. You both get to pick three all-time Sox and Cubs as part of your alley fight. My, my number one draft pick is Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett, you're out of your mind. Like, hey, Michael, but do you see that right hook? Ask A.J. Brzezinski if he wants to get hit with that right hook again. You can ask AJ Brzezinski that. I will. <laughs> that's gonna be that's such a podcast question. I uh, shut up. Go to Rizzo. It's in time, and the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Freebay has it. He throws out, out. A White Sox winner and a World Championship. And welcome to another Windy City Sports Talk. I am your host, Brandon Combs, alongside my co-host, Ryan Fitzgibbons. We have a lot to get to tonight. We're going to be talking about Northwestern, new developments in the Northwestern case. Lots of things to talk about there. We're going to talk about the Bears. Training camp's about to begin here in just under a week. we got some stuff to talk about there. They miss out on DeAndre Hopkins. Talk about that. We'll always get into some Fitz gibberish, as yeah. usual. Then we're going to talk some White Sox and, and some Cubs and, and trade deadline before we get into the stories of the round the world. But if you missed any part of today's live broadcast, you can now catch us on all podcast platforms. Or even if you just want to listen to us again, because we're that damn good. You can listen to us on Amazon Music, Spotify, and Pandora. We're also available on iHeartRadio. As always, make sure to click the like button, share, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. If you have any feedback for us or have something you want us to talk about or questions you want us to answer, as long as that question is, is Joe Montana the greatest quarterback of all time? If that is your question, John Fitzgibbons, you can just stop emailing me because I'm not going to respond anymore after the 39 emails in between us. But you can catch us at Combs and Fitz, all one word, Combs and Fitz at gmail.com. Fitzy, what is going on, buddy? Nothing much. Busy week. Lots going on. We got the trade deadline coming up. Maybe a little yeah. shadowing of Fitz gibberish. And, uh, you know, football, not far away. What, six weeks around, give or take? That's, that's going to be good news here in Chicago, right? Or is it? Well, anything could be good news here in Chicago. <laughs> Jesus Christ, a wet fart at this point. <laughs> it is farther. Jesus, a stiff wind. My We've goodness. got uh, one really bad baseball team. We've got a semi-bad baseball team. And we've got a university that is going up in flames right now in the city of Chicago. Yeah. Sure is. I mean, whew. the story just won't go away, will it? It will not. It will not. I called you earlier today um, because I was listening to some sports talk radio, as I typically do, um, Bernstein and Holmes, and I was getting angry. <laughs> and not angry at the story so much because, look, th there's new developments in the Northwestern case for anybody that has been following this story and maybe missed the news today. Uh, former quarterback TJ Yates spoke up about the allegations, talked about his experience with Northwestern. 
And to summarize kind of what he was saying in his three or four minute speech that he was given was that the coaches were involved in the hazing. The coaches were very much involved in the sexualizing of the hazing. Which is just weird. It, Yes, it's weird. And, and I'm not talking about their, their sexual preference, if they like men or whatever. I don't care about that. No, no. It's just that, that that's involved in hazing. is Right. Even if it was heterosexual, it'd be weird. <laughs> well, right. But that's, and that's what I, I kind of want to get into because there's now a civil suit right and anytime that a civil suit comes up in my mind if you are not bringing this up for legal action if you do not want these coaches per se to pay for their actions why aren't you a part of the legal lawsuit because federal criminal hazing is punishable by up to six months to a year minimum in prison. Why do you just want to be a part of the civil suit where you're going to get some money back? And I'm not saying that you don't deserve some retribution, but my problem with this is that there were players and they said that this was a part of an ongoing culture. This was the culture. It was made acceptable. So while it was made acceptable as heinous as it is and as much as neither one of us would ever partake in this and we don't condone anybody partaking in this was it only a part of the culture when you were getting hazed was it not a part of the culture did you not feel pressure to actually do some of the hazing were you stuck in a part where where only you got hazed, but you didn't partake in any of the other stuff as you became a sophomore, junior, and senior? You weren't just picking on the younger players. You weren't helping in a part of that culture that was made acceptable? Because if so, you're not just a victim. You are a participant in it. And don't give me, well, the coaches made us. There is no, not one coach. I have not heard one story yet that a coach was in there with a gun making you do things. So you cannot just play victim here. You have to play bully as well, because unless you were only part of the actual getting hazed and you didn't partake in any of the stuff that you were doing the hazing, which I find very, very hard to believe, and I don't hear anybody talking about this, the coaches, yes, deserve to be fired. A the, the AD needs to be suspended. The football program, I told you this earlier, Fitz, they need they can't play football this year. You cannot, you cannot have a university go out and make money playing football this year. You just cannot do it. It's a bad look. It's not any worse than what your look is now, but it's just you can't do it. You have to suspend your football season. You have to let everybody else figure it out, the scheduling, the NCAA, everything else that needs to happen. You let them figure it out. But the players cannot be looked at as just victims. Because they were hazing. The players were the ones doing This wasn't coaches in the line soaping up in the shower. It was players. So and they're not in high school. This isn't a high school story. Yes. They're getting thrown in the mud or whatever. These are grown men. You're talking about you were, you know, fine. Nine guys would come up from behind and they would put you in a doggy style position as it was worded. 
nine guys would come up from behind and they would do this to you and they would they would take you down and, and they then they, some of them would dry hump do whatever they they had to do whatever weird stuff you guys were doing then they would do it that part yes you can't get out of that but don't tell me that you weren't a part of it on the other end of it because you said yourself this was a culture that was made to seem acceptable i find it very hard to believe you were only on one end of that culture very hard to believe. What do you think, Fitz? Uh, I, I do agree with that. I mean, I, I don't think players are accountable. I don't think this, the athletes are accountable in a lot of situations. Like I referred to uh, the Astros last week. Uh, there's many instances. <laughs> I mean, we even talked about Ray Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and what happened with him and his, you know, role in that murder. Uh, that athletes aren't, they're, they're given a free pass a lot. I mean, um, and like I said, this isn't a high school story. Uh, these were men. Yes. Should the coaches be accountable more than what these, well, somewhat to us were kids at the time should be. Yes. But still these are, these are, you're getting into your years where, Heck, if you got if you were drinking and you got into an accident, you're going to jail. So are what you're not liable for this or, or what players were involved. Yeah, it was widespread. So you're not. Yeah, you're not going to go through any of the players. And and from what I see, the athletic director uh, maybe got on a suspension, maybe not. Didn't know anything about it. I know he's newer to Northwestern. What is it like two or three years he's been there? Yeah, uh, but still, I mean. Uh, if it was this widespread, you're right. I mean, everybody had to be in on it a little bit. And if that's true, uh, I mean, I just don't know how you can let this happen for this long in this culture that we're yeah. in now in 2023. I mean, you go back 10 years, you shouldn't even have been doing this. You're doing it now. It's just really bizarre and like self-destructive almost. Um, you know, it's like uh, taking a drink before a job interview or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of parallels you could make, but it's not. It, you can't be doing this as a head coach. If you know this is happening, you can't keep letting this go on, especially when you're tough on other things as a university. When you when year in and year out, you're not a good, you're not a very good team. You know, they've had some pretty good teams there under Pat Fitzgerald, but you're not traditionally you're not a good team because of your standards for bringing in uh you know kids from high school or even from another college like because it's all about academics right they're an academic university and and you know they're not going to bring a guy in who you know just had a dui either you know what i mean uh mm -hmm. not florida state or miami in that regard <laughs> uh so there's a lot of limitations they have so you have those limitations and then you know, as a, as, that's what I don't get that, that disconnect. You, I mean, as a coach, you were at that university, you played there during their, one of their heydays, uh, you know, and then coach there, assistant coach there. And then, and then was the coach there and you allow this to happen. Yeah. You deserve to get fired. But I, I do at the same time, agree with you that some players have to be held accountable. And if you're coming forward, as a player that was there for four years, three years, 
what was going on with you? You weren't doing anything. You're a starter on the football team and nothing was happening. You never were involved in this before. I mean, I think there's a lot more to the story. I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg and there's other people that are going to come forward to be like, that guy's full of shit. That guy, you know, there's going to lie. It's getting really ugly. Like now that there's stuff, Corey Wooten came forward earlier in the week or late mm-hmm. in the week, last week saying that there wasn't anything when he was there. Corey Wooten famously ended Brett Favre's career. Yay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I thought he'd be good, but, uh, you know, edge rushing is a tough position. But anyway, um, you know, said that nothing was happening there. Loved the years he was there. Like yep. I said, I, I know uh, personally said loved the time he was there. Uh, was there for four years, graduated from Northwestern, played on played on the football team, was never a starter, but never none of this ever happened. Was there a you know, people they're guys in a locker room. So obviously yeah. there's something going on. I don't know when I think of hazing and in a negative sense, I think of organized violence. Yeah. Or in this case, inexplicable. Why wouldn't men get together, by the way? I didn't finish this question. Why when men get together in a locker room or like in prison, (laughs) does it always have to get sexual? Well, look, men are. We're not as far from monkeys as we think we are. (laughs) Right. And and, I mean, look, it's it's we could go down that rabbit hole, but I'd rather rather not. This is a sports show. He's turning red. No, it's not. We we are I like to play devil's advocate a lot. You know what I mean? Like I, I like to look at things from both sides of the fence. And I know that the you know, one of the lawyers today said there is no two sides to this story. It's only one sided, it happened and, and blah blah blah. There are two sides to this story. You're just not telling the other side of it because you're trying to make money and you're trying to make a name for yourself off this case. And we'll get to the lawyers here in just a minute because I've got a problem with these lawyers as well. I, Downing Thomas, I met Coach Fitz in a restroom once. Nothing happened. <laughs> I, I am, I am not, I, I don't know where I'm at with this. I don't know because, again, when you see a civil suit come out and people aren't going after people like this legally, I feel like there's an issue there. I feel like it's money driven. Um, nobody's knocking on TJ Yates's door to come play quarterback in the NFL or even be a backup or a third string quarterback in the NFL. Maybe there's something there for it. Or on the other side of the fence, maybe all of the allegations are hundred percent true. And maybe guys like Wooten, maybe guys like, like the, the anonymous person that you work with, who you said play was backup quarterback, but you won't tell me who the starting quarterback was when he was a backup quarterback. You maybe those guys are too embarrassed to admit that it actually happened. Maybe it did happen. Maybe they just don't want any part of this. Maybe they don't want their lives to be out in the open. Maybe they don't want anybody to know that. Yeah. Hey, look, this stuff happened. And and unfortunately, I I was part of it whether I was a victim of it or whether I was on both sides of it or whether I was just, you know, the one doing the hazing. I, whatever the case is, the, again, the biggest thing that I have with this new civil suit and with these players coming forward is I want to hear the whole story. 
I want to, yes, if you got hazed and, and it was against your will and something happened to you, I, I'm with you. Get, get every, every penny that you can. Hopefully they, they do everything to the fullest extent of the law, but tell me about the part where you were involved in the hazing. Because it can't just be a one-sided culture. It can't just be a culture that was so accepting. It was made so so known in, in, in that it was okay to do this stuff that you only got hazed. That is a, a very, very hard sell for me. Yeah, but I mean, beware of the sound of one hand clapping. Like, there's always another side of the story. If you're just hearing one hand clapping... <laughs> Which Bart Simpson famously made the sound of one hand clapping. Uh, but if you beware of the sound of one hand clapping, because there's there's always another side to the story. My only thing with it is, and, and maybe he's being told this by lawyers, uh, it, why isn't Pat Fitzgerald out there screaming and yelling about it? Yes. Anything, because he knows that there's probably something behind this. And two, famously, O.J. Simpson won the criminal trial lost the civil trial so 110 percent you're always here to win a civil trial yeah uh yeah 110 percent fitzgerald knew about this 110 percent. i i don't think there's any way he didn't know that there was something going on now whether or not he took part in any of it that still is out there but another thing that i have noticed about all of these allegations is none of them have named him by name Nobody has gone out and said, hey, look, man, Fitz, Fitzgerald. I, I, I hate saying Fitz because I said thing. Yeah. Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Anytime he wants. <laughs> Fitzgerald was, you know, they don't they don't say, hey, he he was a big part of this. He initiated it. He was in the locker room doing part of like none of that has come out yet. There's a lot of vagueness to a lot of these stories. There's a lot of one-sidedness to a lot of these stories. So I just, I can't sit and, and just believe that there's just a bunch of victims here and none of them are, were part of the hazing because again, I just, it, it's just a tough sell to me. And these attorneys that are coming out with these guys and talking about how it's a civil rights issue they 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 can stop right there because look i i get that there was some there's allegations of you know mistreatment to minority players and, and all of this stuff but there were white players that were getting hazed too mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it it i don't i don't know where they're going to to go with this i just i don't want to see it get turned into into this and forget about all the other stuff yes every part every detail anything that was done illegally anything that people need to be in trouble for needs to come forth and those people need to get in trouble for it to whatever extent that is i don't know however we can't make this about two lawyers that are trying and probably more as more players will come forward to try to get a piece of, of the pie. I, you can't just take the word of lawyers who are just trying to make a name for themselves, especially lawyers that all of a sudden are coming forward that you've never heard of. Um, and, and that is the case for me with, with these two attorneys that come forward today, Ben Crump and uh, Stephen Levin, 
I I have a hard time with these guys, and I want to share with you guys the, you know, some of you guys will see this if you're watching us live. You'll hear it if you are on the the podcast form. But let me go ahead and set this up, and I want to play the interview from the attorney, and then I want to react to it with with Fitz here. So just uh, here we go, Fitz Gibbons. Fitz Gibbons, not Fitzgerald. Let me go ahead and play this. This is shocking, deplorable appalling but it is not surprising flanked by four former wildcats football players civil rights attorney ben crump took aim wednesday at what he described as a deeply rooted culture of hazing and abuse within northwestern university's athletic programs it is apparent to us that it is a toxic culture that was rampant in the athletic department Uh-oh. at Northwestern University. Okay. If the coach or coaches didn't know, it would have to be malfeasance. It would have to be they were asleep at the wheel. The graphic, sexually intense behavior was well known throughout the program. We were physically and emotionally beaten down and some players have contemplated suicide as a result. Former Wildcats football players Warren Miles Long, Tom Carnifax, Simba Short, and Lloyd Yates, a former wide receiver and quarterback whose great-grandfather, father, and older brother all attended Northwestern, shared similar stories. We were all victims, no matter what our role was at the time. But the culture was so strong that we felt we had to go with it to survive, to be respected, and to earn the trust within the football program. There was a code of silence that felt insurmountable to break. Yates says that code of silence was particularly hard on players of color, many of whom were the first in their families to attend college. They had so much at stake and had no voice or power to stop the abuse. So today I'm proud to come forward amongst uh, my brave teammates here today to let the truth be known, a truth that is perpetuated for decades. Two former Northwestern football players have already sued their former school, naming several school officials and former Wildcats head coach Pat Fitzgerald as defendants. Fitzgerald has denied any knowledge of the hazing. Crump said Wednesday his law firm alone represents 15 former Northwestern athletes but has heard from more than 50 who've reached out with similar allegations. Crump's co-counsel, Steve Levin, says they'll file a lawsuit shortly on behalf of those players, some of whom were minors when the hazing allegedly occurred. For ESPN, I'm John Barr. All right, so I am... I... I don't know. You take that into account. It didn't really show the part that I really wanted it to show, which is where every time that this lawyer who is supposed to be, you know, representing these players couldn't even pronounce the word ask drives me up a wall, man. (laughs) Drives me when you when you constantly say you got to ask you you ask the players you ask dude, stop, man. You can't be a part of this. And then you have a part in the story where the other lawyer 
who, you know, they talk about Lloyd Yates. I keep calling him TJ. I don't know why, but Lloyd Yates, the old backup quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I do too. That's <laughs> from the Texans. So he talks about how the coaches had a part in it. However, both lawyers, both lawyers say if the coaches didn't know, he said malfeces. I think he meant malpractice. I don't or malfeasance. Malfeasance. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But that's the thing. Like you're not even you're not like articulating yourself the way that you should if you are a lawyer, and you have a, a you know the other end of it here who says the other lawyer Levin says everyone hears the expression there are two sides to every story there are not two sides to this story there's only one side the behavior occurred it was deplorable and demeaning it was widespread and there's no way people at the very least should have known what do you mean there's no way people at the very least should have known you mean shouldn't have known you think like you're telling me on one end you're telling me that they should have known the players that you're representing are telling me that they didn't know. As a matter of fact, they knew so much that they were taking part in it. So which one is it? I don't, I don't get some of this stuff that is being said is just not adding up to me. And I'm again, I'm not saying that this stuff didn't happen because to me, it's, it's clear that something was going on there. I don't ever. And I, I probably will never believe that players were only on one side of the hazing. There might've been a couple that were only on one side of the hazing that never made it to, you know, whatever they, they wilted or they just didn't want to be a part of it. So they left the team, whatever the case was, there may be some players that were only one part of it. But when you were a starting wide receiver and quarterback on a football team for three or four years, I believe with Lloyd Yates, you're you're not just the one getting haze. I, I will you'll never get me to believe that. Maybe as a sophomore, maybe as a freshman, but as a junior and a senior, there's no way you weren't partic- participating in it. And to say that that makes you a victim to me, I'm sorry, but it doesn't. It makes you the aggressor at the same time. You were okay. You can't just say it was bad when I was getting haze, but when I was doing the hazing, let's not talk about that part. You can't do that. And the lawyers that you have representing you aren't doing you any favors right now. They're like Donald Trump when they are in office. You just need to tell them to shut the fuck up because they're not doing you any favors. And he said uh, uh, that you you had to participate. Yeah. So what does that mean? Uh, that you were participating in it and now to it's be respected. Yeah, but if he was participating, what what side were you participating in? That did not sound like the participation was just right being hazed. Exactly. And I'm sorry, but getting be, being respected and being liked in, uh, on a football team, if that means I have to get dry humped from behind by other by other teammates, I'm sorry, but I don't need to be respected that badly. No. I don't need to be liked that badly. I don't need no. to be a part of your program that badly. I now I it's just really weird too and 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 kind of messy and all of it. It's almost like a, a family fight in the middle of like a Denny's or yeah. something. Uh the the America being Denny's. Um, <laughs> I like that analogy. Uh and you know, I I don't. I just. I. I can't believe this. Pat Fitzgerald was this dumb to have this keep going on, though. I mean, that, I keep coming back to that. I mean, even last week when we didn't even know this much, 
it was like, how could you have any hazing going on? I guess you can't stop at all. I mean, it's a locker room in the end. People are going to make fun of each other and mess around yeah. with each other. It's going to happen. But look, I, I've got a dark sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. can joke around about just about anything. And I, I've got a couple of friends who have the same type of sense of humor. I mean, we've, we've made some really bad jokes and really bad remarks, but we do it um, amongst each other and amongst friends. And we would never, you know, openly try to, to offend anybody or try to hurt mm -hmm. somebody's feelings. But you, you, you do it in a sense where there's, you've got to know your, your room, your team, like as a manager, and, and being a part of, you know, in construction, I mean, we've, we say some harsh things to one another. We joke around, we say, but we know the room, right? And there's a certain line with my guys who, who I manage that I allow them to go to. And when they get to crossing a line, I have a conversation with them and I don't let it continue to go. However, there is some things where you're just like, hey, you know, whatever if that's what you guys want to do go ahead and do it i mean that's that's your guys's thing i i don't you can't in this environment as a football coach as a head coach of a big 10 school you can't knowingly allow this stuff to happen no. if it's happening behind your back that's one thing you still need to be fired for letting it happen behind your back because you don't have control. And, I, and I've said that from the start. I, I'm okay with Pat Fitzgerald being fired. It, it, I, I agree with it wholeheartedly. I just think everybody else needs to have some punishment go along with it as well. And you, you have to know what is going on and you have to know the room and you have to be mindful, especially especially being in the social media world that we live in now. Yeah. And the sensitivity that people have towards stuff like this now yeah. more than ever. It's yeah. <laughs> Doubting Thomas says coach Fitz is Ryan's second cousin. He must be talking about some other Ryan. Ryan <laughs> Did you go to Northwestern Ryan? Uh, no. Oh, okay. They're supposed to be building a new stadium. I don't think do that you. They can't happen. No, you you have to. And I, this is one thing I did agree with Bernstein when he said it today. There are three things you have to do right now if you're Northwestern. You have to suspend your AD. You have to suspend your football season, and you have to suspend the eight hundred thousand dollar, eight hundred million dollar freaking new stadium that you're talking about in Evanston. Those three things can't, like, you can't have the AD continue. You can't have your football season go on, and you can't continue to move forward with building the stadium. And I know Penn State did it when they were going through all their allegations, and the, the child sex stuff that was going on there is a lot worse than what's going on here. Yeah. But in, in the grand scheme of things, you do have to look at the business aspect of it. And from a business aspect of things... Penn State was a team that is a school and a team that is built on its football team. That is not Northwestern. Northwestern is built on its academics, its medical program. It's so many other things go into Northwestern. Football is probably the worst of all of them. 
especially with the team, they haven't been relevant in years. You you cannot, you have to set a precedent. You have to take, and you have to hold the players accountable too. I'm, I'm sorry, but you do. You have to take a stand. You have to say, you know what? You're right. Football season suspended. AD is suspended. And we're not talking about the stadium, but the players, I want to, everybody that took part in the hazing, I want their names on a list too. Because you might be in the civil suit, but you also might be spending six months to a year in prison for criminal hazing. And then watch how quickly all of these lawsuits go away. Watch how quickly this story gets buried. Once people start actually talking about the other side of things, which is something nobody in, in any media market is doing right now. They're only talking about the players and the players being being victimized. And I'm sorry, but it, it, that's not you. You can't just do that. The law doesn't only work when it benefits you. It needs to work to the full extent of the law. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just think the only thing from the lawyer's side is they were being supervised. They're under a supervisor's, you know, they're pushing them as supervisors, and that's why they did it. And then it points towards, well, was anything criminal? Did anything criminal happen? I mean... I guess hazing is, is criminal if it goes to a certain extent. I mean, if you're just telling a guy that he sucks at football, that doesn't sound criminal to me. But uh, no, but it's criminal that, when it becomes rape. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that sure. is what happened. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, being held down and being dry humped is, is, I mean, it's a form of rape. Yeah. And it's, it's sexual, you know, it's sexual assault. And yeah, that's, I, that's probably more near sexual assault yeah yeah but you've got to you've got to be punished for the actions and if you were only on the one end of it by all means get everything that you can out of it but if you were on both ends of it you probably should stop pushing so hard yeah mr yates yeah, I mean, because it sounds like he was, I participated, that you had to participate. That it, he didn't qu quantify it. He didn't say, yeah, well, I was on one side, but not the other. Yeah. No, it's, it's just a mess. It, it is. It's, it's a ridiculous right now. It's, it's a ridiculous mess right now. The whole thing at Northwestern right now is just, if you are Northwestern and not like, like I said earlier, like Florida State, right, <laughs> or anybody in Florida, or any college of Florida, <laughs> any college of Florida, even Miami of Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, speaking of dumpster fires, uh, we have a team that was a dumpster fire last year, but we're hoping they're not a dumpster fire this year, and that's the Chicago Bears. And training camp is starting soon, and we've got a lot of things going on as a matter of fact bears fans are going to be on edge all season long you are if you like myself like i'm a bears fan i love i love the bears i i, I want them to win so badly and i know fitz you are a big bears fan your whole family you guys all get together you guys do bears get togethers i for the games so yeah. i know we're both bears fans, but both of us can also look at it objectively too 
and we can sit back and we can laugh at some of these idiots. Like one who called into a radio station today and said, if the Bears lose week one to the Packers at home, they should fire Eberflus before week two. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Who's going to coach the team? I, I, like you're gonna lose I, the locker room week one. They, they won week one last year. Yeah, they did, they and, and they they that. won three total. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, that's a Bears fan for you. That's a Bears call. That only Bears fan. I don't think that's going to happen either. And uh, uh, like one of our sister shows uh, said, Jordan Love is not going to be the best quarterback. <laughs> no. In the division uh, this year. It's just not going to happen. You, we can make the argument that Justin Fields isn't going to be the best quarterback. He's definitely the most talented. That's right. for sure. I mean, Jared Goff and Cousins. And we we, we are now. Talent-wise. Uh but yeah, you have to be optimistic. This is probably the only team you can be truly optimistic about. I mean, you know, the Cubs, they look okay. I mean, the football score they put up yesterday reminded me of football a little bit. Yeah. Gave me a little nostalgic for it. So, I mean, the Cubs, yeah, I mean, I, I guess they're doing all right. But you really wanted to see them play better this season than, you know, sitting at seven, six games under 500. Uh, the Sox are complete collapse. The yeah. Bulls, come on now, please. The Hawks still, they're, 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 I don't think they're a playoff team this year. Maybe they'll do something exciting. Uh, but I, I, I don't see them going very far i do see some growth there the most exciting team and in the in the league where you can turn it around in one year is the nfl and yeah. i think if if anything if you want to be optimistic about anything uh as a chicago fan it's that and maybe all your teams suck and you're gonna have better draft picks going forward well we have we have aligned ourselves with the dads with bacon network you know, because we're dads and we, we both love bacon. And the group is actually headed by a Milwaukee-based fan oh, group. And as much as they would like you to believe that week one versus the Packers is the most important game in recent memory, I, I, I beg to differ. Because, look, you could lose week one. If they lose week one, Bears fans are going to lose their minds. Bears fans are going to go crazy. They're going to start jumping off bridges and tall buildings and stuff like that. But if they lose week one and then go 15 and one or 16 and one, was week one really that important? Yeah. No. You know, it, it's not going to make your break your season in week one. The question around here, that's actually a more legitimate question is with training camp ramping up. If the bears aren't as successful as we believe they can be, if they're not, Let's just say not even just a playoff team. Let's say if they are a eight or not an eight or nine win team at the very least. Can Justin Fields still be the guy? Is Justin Fields still the quarterback the Bears drafted and thought that they drafted if they are only a six win team this year? It depends on what um, on on what the defense looks like. That's the big variable here, right? If you have a close to mediocre defense and your offense is pretty healthy I and you win six games, he's probably not a good quarterback, at least right. in that year. Or he's hurt. 
there, you know, there, there isn't the alternative where he's great. The defense is middling and they're six and uh, 11. And your brother, John is rooting for all of the above. (laughs) You know, I, I just don't see that happening and they're still in good position. If he is bad, that's the thing. That's why you had to, you have to see what you have here instead of trading it away. Uh, especially, uh, I mean, he's even practicing on the side in between training camp and OTAs. I mean, come on. Uh, the guy is definitely dedicated. I'll tell you that. And, and he definitely has more smarts, smarts than a lot of the quarterbacks. They have. I, I always thought Cutler was pretty smart, but Trubisky, I put him on the same wavelength as T- Tim Tebow. So, I mean, you, I think you got something here and I think if they stay relatively healthy, even average health throughout mm-hmm. the season. I, I definitely think this is a nine or 10 win season season, at least. I mean, with this schedule, a lot of people aren't looking at the schedule and I know teams can turn it around, but some of these teams don't even want to turn it around. The Carolina Panthers are not trying to win this year. Mm-hmm. They got rid of their number one receiver. I mean, some of the teams on this schedule, the, the green Bay Packers, I don't think they're looking for a playoff season this year. They're, yep. they're not. I mean, I they're them twice. I mean, we can go through the red, the Redskins. No, they're not the Redskins anymore. Oh yeah, the Commanders. Oh boy, here we go. I'm the Washington NRA. Hate. I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail for that. The Commanders. I mean, just look at some some people, uh, some they of the get. teams on their schedule. They're not even tr- they're not even really trying to win this year. I mean, some of them aren't bottoming out. They would like to have decent seasons, but I don't think they're going to be competitive this season. They have a lot of wins on the schedule. They really do. And there's nobody in the division that should be, you know, killing. Uh, that should be uh, uh, granted F Justin Fields is standing on two legs. That should cremate the Bears. They, they shouldn't lose big to any of these teams. They really, except for maybe one of the Packers games. They really didn't get, they really didn't get cremated by any of those teams. I mean, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, I, but if they're a six win team and they're relatively healthy and he's healthy throughout the year, he probably had a worse season than he had this past season. I would think. Yeah. I look, I, I don't believe they have to be successful for Justin Fields to progress. They weren't successful last year and Justin Fields progressed. If I told you, you know, they were, I don't know, let's say six and 11. They were six and 11 and Justin Fields, you know, they lost out of their 11 losses. They lost eight of them by one score. And in those eight losses, they scored 20 plus points. Justin Fields probably still progressed. Justin Fields probably still was a good quarterback. Justin Fields was probably still doing those things. If he's still throwing for, you know, 3000 yards and, um, you know, running for, for six, 700 yards, doing all the things that, that you, you saw him do last year, plus being able to throw the ball now, they could still be a six and eleven team, and Justin Fields could still be the guy. You know what I mean? I just don't see that happening. I'm with you. I I, I believe I'm on the train of ten to twelve wins for this team. I I think this team is much improved. I don't believe they were as bad as they were last year because of the tanking. 
I don't, I, I think they got to three and four and they were just like, Hey, look, well, what if we did, what if we didn't win another game this year? And they went out a couple times. You could tell that they were definitely tanking. And so <laughs> that one Packer game, Oh God, they ran the ball three times in a row or the Atlanta game. Yeah. When they were just destroying, when it, Justin Fields was doing whatever he wanted to that green Bay defense in the first half. And then they're like, no, handoff, 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 handoff in a second. And you could just see every time they would show the uh, Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines and he would just smile because he knew what they were doing. And he knew they were going to come back and do it again. And he knew all the talk was going to be like, oh, Rodgers does it to the Bears again. Well, no, the Bears did it to themselves. The Bears pulled the Northwestern and then they had nine guys hold them down while somebody butt fucked them. <laughs> like they, the Bears. Please don't. The Bears. Please don't. No such thing. The Bears are that that team last year. But. I do believe that you can show some progression. I do believe that the Bears can be a, a you know, Justin Fields can have a successful season, even if the Bears don't have a successful season. Yeah, I mean, it's happened before to a lot of teams uh, that had, you know, that had good quarterback play and weren't that good. I mean, look at uh, Dan Marino's entire career, except for his first couple of seasons. Yeah, I mean, he had some good seasons in there where he was on some terrible teams, terrible defensive teams, no running back. Uh, and back then, if you didn't run the ball, you weren't you weren't that good. I mean, you can almost get away with it now. Um, yeah, I guess it could happen. I just I just don't see. I mean, even if even if he has a carbon copy year, I don't see how they're, you know, not a seven or eight win team even with a carbon copy year. I mean, if you forget, he had 1,200 yards of rushing. Yeah. He had eight, what, eight touchdowns rushing? Yeah, 25 yeah. altogether. I mean, and 11, 11 interceptions with 25 touchdowns, a little much, but I mean, still, even with that showing. How many of those went off tipped hands <laughs> from wide receivers or, or, or a pass interference call that was missed that led to an interception? That happened a couple of times last year, too. You, like... He still threw seventeen inter- or still threw seventeen touchdowns passing last year, with a depleted wide receiving core, no offensive line. I know, uh, well, he had an offensive line, but they made him run for his life every damn week. And I know people, well, they had a top fifteen uh, uh, offensive line ranked last at the end of the year last year. Yeah, you know why? Because Justin Fields kept plays alive and kept them in games. Because he was using his legs to get away from all the pressure that the offensive line was letting through. So sometimes the offensive line could get made look better by a good offense. And that's where I think that the Bears are this year. I think they're going to have a better offense. The offensive line is going to look better. I think that the defense will be fine. I do believe they're going to go out and get a defensive end, even though they haven't spent any money yet. I'm just hoping that they were waiting for the end of all of this, uh, you know, the the franchise tag deadline, which was yesterday. And then I'm hoping they're going to go out and they're going to spend some money and they're going to get an edge rusher and they're going to get the, you know, a couple little small pieces that they have left to fill. And we're going to do this damn thing. And I do, I think they're going to be an 11 or 12 win team. Janice Cecil trust says Justin Fields is a bit full of himself. I sure hope so. At quarterback, if you're not full of yourself, I mean, at least a little bit, I mean, you have to be a team player, right? I just don't understand. What do you, what do you mean? I, I've I've heard the kid just be humble. Uh he's he's confident. 
He's still oh, confident yeah. in his abilities and what he can do. She might mean that. He is one yeah. of only 30 people in the world right now that can say that they are a starter in the NFL. Uh, starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you you should have some confidence for sure. I, I would hope I would hope he does. And with, well, with with his demeanor he does. But you don't want a guy going into uh, you know, any given Sunday Jamie Foxx territory. Well, right, but I'm I'm <laughs> saying he's not I don't think he's out there saying that he's a, a top 10 quarterback right now or anything like that. I still think, you know, he's not going to go out there and, and and talk about Patrick Mahomes and say Pat who like like some other players are doing right now going back and forth like i i yeah well yeah i just i mean it's just it's it's a joe burrow versus pat mahomes thing and both wide receivers are having each other's backs and eat or their quarterbacks backs and it's just been a thing but i i like justin fields i like his demeanor i like the way that he handles himself i like the way that you can tell he wants to be better he yeah. does not like to lose. No. And I love that about Justin Fields. And so that's for me that that to me, I mean, if that's him being full of himself, I'm I'm all for it. And he's able to climb out of whatever mask people put on when they're uh, in the media, in front of the media or doing a job like that. That's in the spotlight all the time. He's yeah. able to be comfortable enough to jump out, out of himself. And I, I've said this before uh, that that. Um, interview when he was talking about I'm sick of being close, mm-hmm. sick and tired of being close. And a lot of those, a lot of the interviews that he's had since then, you know, a lot of the press junkets he's been on, uh, it's he's not he's not a 110 percent and all that. He's that too, <laughs> yeah, just from being in a locker room his whole life. But you'll get some originality out of him sometimes, some uniqueness out of him sometimes, and I and I think that 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 transfers onto the field a little bit for sure. Did they miss out on Deandre Hopkins? I would have liked them to get, get him. I mean, uh, uh, wide receivers are very injury prone as we know, and volatile too, uh, especially Mooney. You take Mooney out of here. Is Tyler Scott good? He looks like he might, they might have got a good pick there. But who's behind all that? Right. Your boy EQ St. Brown. <laughs> Pettis? It's not my guy. Rock hands? I mean, who's behind all that? Yeah, I mean, boy, he would have looked good. 13 mil a year. They are being a little stingy salary cap wise. Because I know people are like, oh, they're stingy. And you could say that by never getting a coach that ever coached before. <laughs> by never getting a coach that ever coached before that ever had coached before barely ever uh and always trying guys out doing that and you know having half a scouting department for most of the 90s uh things like that they were cheap on but you can't really be cheap in the nfl you have to spend money you have to spend at least close to the salary cap um you could save some years but you do get penalized i forgot what it's called uh, yeah. You have to spend close to the salary cap like you do, uh, but they're being stingy with the salary cap and their future salary cap. I yeah. Mean, and and I wants to might have to sign a QB soon, or at least thinks he might have to. And I think with, with the wide receiving core, and this is why I don't think that they miss out on Deandre Hopkins. I think you told DJ Moore he was going to be your number one. I think you've got a really good number two in chase Claypool. And finally, Darnell Mooney being in the slot where he belongs 
is going to make you a dynamic team. Now, if anybody gets hurt, I do know that they are still, for whatever reason, high on Vila's Jones, um, and they do like Equinemius St. Brown. But I think the quietest signing of the offseason that nobody's really talking about is the way they beefed up at tight end with Robert Tunyon. Now, it's not going to set the world on fire. He's not going to have 30 touchdown catches this year. He's not going to be you know, the best oh, really? tight end in, in the NFL. But putting him out there with Cole Komet and adding on top of that, if you do end up losing one of these starters for a couple of weeks, you can be okay with that because of your depth at tight end. So I think that they're they're okay with where they're at, and you're not taking reps away from players that you've already told where they were in their positions. And you're keeping the piece in your wide receiving room. You're keeping the piece in your offense because you've got guys that Justin Fields has been working all off season with to add another piece to that mix. Even though Deandre Hopkins might've been a dynamic player. He is also still what? 32 years old. He is a, he's been in the league for nine years and I don't think he's played 16 games in the last three or four years. So, to spend that much money on that guy, I'm not so sure. Million that, a year, but 13 million a year for you. Look at at like Juju Smith Schuster, who just won a, a Super Bowl and was a big part of, of the Chiefs this you year. Him, I I I don't like Juju Smith Schuster, but he only got 11 million dollars. Don't be polite. And he played all, he played all 16 games last year, and he won a Super Bowl, and he only got 11 million dollars. So. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins comes here and beats uh, is is the first receiver. I, I I just don't think he is. I mean, then you I, don't. You're not paying him 13 million a year to be a number two, number three. Are you going to put him over Claypool right now? I I don't know if I do. It depends what Claypool looks like this year. He looked Could pretty really damn good, good last year. year. Maybe, maybe that's why they don't sign. Maybe that's why they don't sign him. Because did Claypool. you see the reel I sent you of the game that he had when he played against the best white, the best cornerback in the NFL last year with the Jets? Yeah, yeah. I, he 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 tore him up. Chase Claypool yeah, was a monster, but people don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about the fact that he he didn't catch on to the offense and this and that. He was hurt for a couple games, and then. Fields was hurt for a couple games in, mm-hmm. in there too when he came back. It just they were never in stride. Yeah, I mean, if you told me, you know, th- they could have went out and got a guy like Tyreek Hill, or they could have went out and got a guy like, um, you know, let's, uh, uh, I mean, really, a lot of other young wide receivers. I'd have been if, if, a twenty-six-year-old stud wide receiver. I'd have been like, well, yeah, they they need to go and get this guy. But not a 31 year old guy who's been in the yeah. league nine years and can't stay healthy anymore. That, I don't want to see him pay 13 mil for a guy that, like that. That's why I thought he made sense. Why? Because you're a White Sox fan and you don't like any healthy uh, players? <laughs> no, that's why I thought he made sense. He doesn't have to be on the field every snap. He's not your first wide receiver. Maybe he's not even your second wide receiver. I mean, but he definitely could definitely. So you stunt Mooney's growth? What's that? You stunt Mooney's growth? Mooney should not be growing anymore. Mooney well, should, be st- grown. should be a grown-ass man, for Christ's sake. Well, Mooney he is all, he's, the same age as DJ Moore, for Christ's sake. But he's also had Mitchell Trubisky as a quarterback, and then he had Justin Fields as a quarterback under a he head coach. gave good interviews. And then, and then he... I was checking in. When you know, before he got hurt really early last year, he had he was starting to have a good season. And then he got hurt. 
with the they finally got things going and then he got hurt so i like mooney and i yes i still think he's still growing just because of the situation he's been in for the first four years of his career same reason why i still believe this is only justin field's second year even though it's his third yeah no yeah i don't count that first season he didn't even play with the first team they tried to kill him yes for the red rocket yes Nagy should be charged with attempted murder for what he did in that season to Justin Fields. How was he with the Chiefs? Speaking of of attempted murder, you want to do some Fitz gibberish? Fitz gibberish coming right up. Let's do it. It's a special Fitz gibberish. Yeah. Special. (laughs) Thank you, Combs, and thank you, my friends, for checking in. This is Fitz gibberish, a diatribe, a conspiracy, and an island in the middle of inaccurate and unapologetic sports talk. I flipped those this time. <laughs> as my co- as my buddy Combs over here holds on to the Cubs' playoff chance so hard his knuckles are turning as white as Richard Pryor's nostrils circa 1975, or really any time in the 70s, I thought it would be time to talk about the best trade deadline in sports. Yes! The best trade deadline in sports is baseball. With the deadline just 12 days away, your Uncle Fitzy is going to do a little seller or buyers, or maybe a mix of both. Is it because baseball is the only one that actually utilizes its trade deadline? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, with salary, hard salary caps in the other sports, that's one of the big reasons why. But we digress. Let's start in the East, where the worst team in the division is the New York Yankees. Yes. Is this the 1980s or what? The Yankees are in last place, nine games out of first, but only two and a half games out of the wild card spot. They still have to leapfrog about four teams. Should the Yankees be sellers with only the 14th ranked farm system, according to baseball America, which just barely put them in the top half of the league. Yes. I'm going to say they should try to sell a bit. Other redundancies they have on the team. At the very least, they should not be buyers. Will they sell? No. Their fan base would create another ground zero in the middle of Yankee Stadium the size of Hal Steinbrenner's ego. But I still think they shouldn't be buyers. And pretty much that's the only team in that division, that being a pretty damn good division, probably one of the best divisions in baseball history. Uh, So we're on to my favorite division. And possibly the worst division in baseball history, the scrappy AL Central. Yes, the Detroit Tigers at five games out of the division lead. And I won't even mention the wild card because no garbage team in this division even sniffs the wild card. With their farm system ranked 27th, most of their young talent on the field, I have them selling short veteran contracts and definitely not buying. That brings us to the Chicago White Sox. We talked about this a little bit before the show. The Chicago White Sox are now, what, nine games out of first? I wrote this yesterday. They were eight and a half games then. But anyway, the Sox should sell. I don't think anybody on this team should be untouchable. Combs might disagree with me. I didn't even write anything about the White Sox. I'm I'm ad-libbing it here, Combs. Oh, God. (laughs) 
because the White Sox are terrible. It's one of the biggest collapses in Chicago sports histories. I can't think of a worse one. Maybe when Dicka lost his job, I, I, I don't even know. Maybe the 69 Cubs, I guess. But that team, I don't even know if that team was good. Uh, so yes, sell socks, Casey. We don't have to talk about them. Sell, sell, sell 27 and 68. Come on now, Casey. We should, we should really pick up one of their coaches after the season to be, to manage the team. Every team in the AL central should sell (laughs) pretty much, but the twins in Cleveland, come on, keep it in there. Cleveland has some good pitching. Maybe they get hot in the playoffs. All right. And we'll sell and get prospects because then it, even still, somebody's still going to have to win the division. True, true, <laughs> true. <laughs> they could be 10 games under and win. In the West, Seattle is four games, four and a half games out of the wild card. They can stay pat. Definitely not buy at this point. Don't have to really be sellers. They don't have a whole lot to sell on that team. And Oakland has nothing left to sell at all. And Anaheim? It's kind of hard for me to say not to sell at this point. I mean, every season, they're pretty much the same team. They start out like a house on fire, and all of a sudden, they're nine games out of first place, bit out of the wild card. I don't know. You got one of the best players in the league. Maybe you get a boatload for him, and you buy him next season if you can. Now, over to the NLEC, New York Mets, sell, 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 sell. I don't care. They almost blew a seven-run lead to the White Sox yesterday. I don't care where they are. They're eight games out of first, eight and a half games out of the wild card. Or I'm sorry, 18 and a half games out of the division. They're eight and a half out of the wild card. And they don't look any good. Stephen Cohn was the talk of baseball when he was going to buy everybody and send players' salaries through the roof. This is baseball, Steve. It's hard. You can't throw money at your issues like a cocktail waitress getting a cheater gift basket while walking out the door washington worst team in the division sell 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 on to the nl central combs ears perked up didn't they chicago <laughs> cubs with a similar record to the mets same record as the mets actually i say sell damn it this team does not have a bullpen or the middle of the order. And don't give me Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger hasn't been good since Donald Trump was pissing on pokers. Plus, the Cubs farm system, according to Baseball America, ranks 16th. Middle of the road. Not good enough. Sell fetter and short contracts. Keep some of the core. That's fine with me. Do what you want there. See what you can do in free agency. The farm system needs help. And for God's sake, Start living in the real world, Cub fans. Grow up. Pirate and Cardinals sell everybody, for Christ's sake. Jesus Christ, Cardinals, what happened to you? Yes. San Diego, onto the NL West, yes. San Diego or White Sox West are ten and a half games out of the first and nine games out of the wild card. How is this team so goddamn bad? The rebuild has not worked. It sucks. Sell what you can right now. Colorado. Does anybody really care about Colorado? Sell. I don't even know who's on the team. And that's Fitz gibberish, my friends. Billion dollar payroll in San Diego. I know that. To be under 500. You know, the top three, the top three freaking um, payrolls in baseball. Are all under 500? 
Wow. Yep. Whew. Yeah. Mets. Mets. Yankees. Padres. Boy. Yeah. That is tough. Yes. That is really tough. And they're not like terribly injured either. I mean, the Yankees, no. yeah, they're best player, but come on, you got to get over that. They're in a tough division. They are. I do want to point out, you said the Yankees should be the only team in their division to sell. However, I read a story today, experts saying the Yankees <laughs> are the favorite to trade for Shohei Otani. <laughs> I will say this. I looked into their farm system. They are very top heavy. And if you want anything with a farm system, you want to be top heavy. You don't want to be bottom heavy, meaning all your all yes. your good prospects are in second and triple A and they're they seem to be playing pretty decent. So you might be able to pull that off. But then what do you have after that? What do you have next season? You better sign them next season. You think That's you what the Yankees do both? though. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's always been their MO. They spend, spend, spend. They and they spend in the wrong spots. They don't spend on on high end rotations, they spend on high end guys that strike out a lot and hit home runs, and that and then they wonder why they can't win in October. And right now, they're not even winning in the regular season. They they've they've been bad. I don't know how Brian Cashman still has his job. It's it's a lot like Kenny Williams, a guy living on the fact that he won a World Series 15 years ago. Yeah, and and I I'm not a I'm not yeah, a fan. How of the is way Joe that, Girardi doing now? Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the way that they were at the um, I'm not afraid a fan of the way that they've been spending over the last 10 years. And I've said, that's why they don't win as far as your Cubs. (laughs) And I digress. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't, I'm, I'm torn. I don't know if they should necessarily be buyers but if they decide to be buyers, they do have a top 10 farm system and they are very heavily rooted in, in their outfield. Not according to baseball America. They don't have a top 10 farm system. They, they've got, they've Look got three, they've got three of the top hundred in their, in their outfield prospects. Yeah. That what, what is, what the hell does that mean? There's still 97 other players. And only 31 other teams. Come on, man. Yeah, but I'm talking about outfielders. I think they have three in the top 100, and they're like 27. They didn't know. Stop it. Colson the White Montgomery. Sox don't have three in the top 100. Colson Montgomery is in the top, like, 30. Yes, Colson Montgomery is in the top Noah 30. They don't Schultz, have three in the top 100. Top, I think Noah Schultz is in the top 50. Uh, there's probably another guy from 50. You're making up names now. <laughs> You're making up names. Who the hell is Noah, Noah Schultz. Schultz? Look up Noah Schultz. Six, nine left-hander, buddy. The next Randy Johnson. <laughs> the, the next Randy Johnson. No, he's more like, he's more like the next Chris sale. A guy a who's going to get injured run. a lot as, as a white sock. And then he's going to get traded to the Boston Red Sox and help them win a world series for really? Yoan for Yoan Moncada. And Michael Kopech. And Michael Kopech. Yeah. Those are some great names right now. Aren't both of those guys on the IL? Stop. It's <laughs> not the Cubs. Stick yeah. To the Cubs. Yeah. So hey, I, I don't hey. know if they should be buyers. Whoa. Yeah, they will. They I mean, they, they, they kind of bombed it by the spring. I think that means a good thing. <laughs> I don't. Look, I don't know if the Cubs should be buyers. I don't know if they should be sellers. I, I think that I'm kind of okay if they just stand pat. 
I would I'm yeah. okay if they trade Marcus Stroman because you've got guys. I again I've said it before. I don't know why Ben Brown isn't up in the major leagues yet throwing. The guy has over 130 or 140 strikeouts now in the minor leagues. Why not? Bring, bring up a guy. Let's see what he can do. Why and, not? and if you lose this division, who can you're not going anywhere in the playoffs. You are not going to win a series versus the Atlanta Braves. You're not going to win a series versus, you know, a, a lot of especially if you trade Marcus Stroman. Because now your top three just becomes a top two, and, and you don't know if you can really trust, you know, um Steele to do it. In the playoffs, you don't you know you can trust Hendricks to do it in the playoffs because he did it through a game, but you don't know if he's gonna be healthy enough when you get there. Uh, he's had some ugly games of late. Yes, I mean he's pitching tonight. That's a one-one game, but they're also playing against the nationals. You know what I mean? So like I I don't I am not a I I'm on the fence. I, I'm okay with whatever they decide to do. If they decide to buy and they they go out and, and they bring in you know a, a third baseman of whether it's Jammer Candelario from the um, from the Nationals, whether it's Matt Chapman from the um, uh, Toronto Blue Jays, you go out and you get you pick up a, uh, another bat and you maybe you pick up a back into the bullpen arm and and all you have to give up is is a guy like Brennan Davis. I, I'm okay with that. When I was researching Jed Hoyers, they were saying that, oh, they still got a shot in the division. He said, they yeah, do. how Who many cares? under 500 <laughs> at this point in the season won the World Series? There's not many. There just isn't. You're talking about like, the Washington Nationals, maybe? 2019? About it. Yeah, but you, a couple you, of can't, other teams. you can't, like, I, I, and God, I love Jed Hoyer because of what he meant to the 2016 team. And I love everything about that team, but I hate listening to him talk lately. You, you, when you, you know, first it started with the, well, he didn't really come out with the biblical proportions thing, but no, that's you, start, you start, talk, you start talking about, you know, Oh, I really like the model of the, of the Tampa Bay Rays when you are in the third largest market in the country. Or you start talking about, you know, I really, you know, uh, oh, well, we have a chance to win win this division. Yeah, you, you, sure, you do. You don't have a chance to do anything else, though, Jed. And that's the problem. Okay? Because, look, Cubs fans are not okay with just being middle of the road anymore. Mm. We got thirsty in 2016. Mm. I want to see another one so I can actually enjoy it because I was so stressed out in 2016 that I still have not been able to enjoy that World Series victory. You still get nervous when you watch the the, the games. Dude, I, I, I still get chills and I still tear up on the last out every time I watch it. Every time. You think maybe Rizzo is going to bobble that ball coming to first? I, dude, I every time I watch Bryant <laughs> maybe, slip. Maybe Bryant's going to throw it in the stands. Every <laughs> time I watch Bryant slip, I'm like, fuck, we just lost. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't help it, but I do. I get, I get chills still watching that 2016 World Series, but that's what I'm saying. You don't have a chance to to win as you're constructed right now. So if you stand pat and try to win the division, cool. If you become a buyer to try to do a little bit more to win the division, but you you can't just go out and get a third baseman. You have to go out and maybe try to get a, a left-handed power-hitting third baseman, or you have to go out and you have to get, I mean, even if you do get that power, you still have to. You have no choice but to go get back into the a, a bullpen help. You have to. 
Yeah, I mean, you need a closer. You need a setup man. You don't have either of those. So I, I, I'm okay with either way that they, they decide to go with the Cubs. But I do like that Fisher-Bush. I mean, was, there's a lot of teams that need to be sellers. I was just cracking up at the beginning when you said the Yankees should be the only team in their division to sell, but they're the leaders to trade for Shohei Otani. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Yankees. That's why I said they have to almost buy with their yeah. fan base and just of their mentality. Uh, two things. I think you want the Cubs to buy because you're a fan. I always want them to buy. Like, yeah, yeah, I want them to be relevant. Meaning that way. Two, I think this trade deadline comes on too soon. With all the wild card teams there are, you There's don't only have, sixty I mean, days left in the season. You can talk yourself into the, you know, let's say the Sox win yesterday. They're three of four to start the, you know, start the second half or the quote unquote second half of the season. You can talk yourself into them, making them, you know, wait, stay pat, you know, don't sell yet. I mean, there's so many teams that don't want to sell. There's uh, there's not enough sellers by this time. There's a little bit more separation this year than there are in other years. But I don't know. I think the trade deadline should be mid-August. No. Give these guys more time. It's too late. You can't. It's weeks till the end of the season. Yes. Come on, Chantani. It's it's in the right time. Square. The White Sox could have been three or four to start the second half, like it meant something to this team. I'm just saying they got lucky. To, they got the the Atlanta Braves fell asleep for a weekend. They were still hungover because half of their team was in the All Star game, and so they were still they were still hungover. And and then you yes, you took two out of three, which it looked like a good series. It looked like the White Sox were playing some good ball. And then yesterday, you you see some signs of life from Tim Anderson as he goes three for five, and then with the game on the line, pops up. Yeah. And the ninth, like, can't hit them all. You see so much, you know, potential, but then you're you're reminded that, oh, shit, there's still this team that is going to break my heart at the end of the day. They, it's so tough to watch this outside. And they're down again. I mean, five to one to the Mets again. Here they come. We're another struggling team. So, um, Downing Thomas says, I'll trade Giolito for a box of Cracker Jacks. That's, yeah. I'll give you a box of Cracker Jacks for him to come to the north side. Yeah. He had a bad start yesterday, but I don't think that's going to change much. I mean, um, I didn't see much different in what he was throwing. Uh, he didn't look hurt. Could have been, but, uh, he didn't look hurt. Didn't, didn't help his stock. I hear they're asking a lot and it's just like, come on for yeah, fucking you know, ten weeks of Giolito. Come on, and maybe a playoff run. Maybe he gets hot in the playoffs, but yeah, we'll just show you how much bad starting pitching there is out there. All right, well, it's time to close. It's closing time. When we always close with news around the world. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, so. The first thing that I want to talk about, the first story, is actually a sports-related story. It's about our guy, Johnny Bench. Everybody's guy, Johnny Bench. He's in attendance for a Reds Hall of Fame induction ceremony this past weekend. The team was honoring the late general manager, Gabe Paul. Paul's daughter, Gabby, was his representative at the ceremony. I was right out of high school in 1960. Gabe Paul signed me to a contract for 400 bucks, said Pete Rose. Paul chimed in, that's cheap. 
According to reports, Bench was heard saying, well, he was Jewish. And this set our social media-driven world ablaze. People are mad about his anti-cemetery remarks, and he, we should not be surprised, and, and this is Johnny Bench, and this is what he believes. It, there's no way it could have been a joke. There's no way it could have been in jest. Ryan Friskibbons, my big-nosed friend. <laughs> do I have to defend big-nosed people now? How do you feel about Johnny Bench's remarks? Uh, he's a baseball player, and baseball players are dumb. <laughs> One. Wow. That's something you want to say <laughs> in a public setting. Like you said, say it privately. And older, probably had a few pops that day. Uh, if a comedian says this on stage, is there as big of an uproar? Is there a problem with not. it? Probably not. That's it. It's said all the time. That isn't setting, and there is something called the Irish goodbye or an Irish wake. I've been to a few of those. I don't remember them all, but uh, <laughs> uh. But where where they say that or anything about the mob and Italians, that's allowed. Certain things are allowed. Certain things aren't allowed. You got to know that. So that's your own problem for not knowing that. Everybody's got to pump the fucking brakes, though. Like, come on. We basically, with the help, and I'll say it, of our Jewish friends, uh, invented comedy in this country. We invented stand-up comedy. That's 100% we did. Nobody else in the world knows how to fucking do it. Go over to England. They start with a jazz band. Seriously. I mean, can we just loosen up? Do a little, do a little yoga. I mean, gee, we, we didn't invent yoga, but we definitely popularized it. I mean, just, you know, loosen up country for, for the love of God. And Johnny Bench, yeah, probably an idiot, but a great player. People in in this world have gotten so sensitive and people just are so quick to want to cancel somebody or or end somebody's, you know, their their whatever you want to call it, whether it's reputation, whether it's life, whatever, whatever you want to do. People are so quick to want to interject. That, oh, well, he said this. Oh, well, he said that. OK, well, I like I don't know what to tell you. So like. People can say things joking around. I'll say things to you joking around. Like I started this whole segment by calling you my big nose friend. Like we joke around. There are things that we say, things that we do, and we say it in jest. And not everything has a a tone to it that suggests, hey, that I'm saying this because I hate all Jewish people. But you know, I, what do you think people would have had such a problem? with it had the owner been an irishman and johnny or pete rose had said something to the effect well i told him how much i wanted to get paid and he wanted to fight me and if johnny bench would if johnny bench would have said well he was irish after all everybody like, would laugh everybody would laugh or he bought me for a freaking you know couple cases of uh ripple yeah <laughs> couple cases like, of freaking jameson right like people would laugh because it, it, it's just it's so bad because people want to make it bad. And it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. He made a joke. People took it wrong. Get a sense of humor. Quit trying to censor people. 
Jesus. Yeah, and the demonic glee that people have when they when they cancel other people. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. It's like they're weak. Like it. You like it, and then you're virtue signaling yourself because you're against it. Yeah, but you're so happy that you ruined somebody else's career. Karen. <laughs> All right, you ready for this? All right, let's do it. We were talking about Florida. Well, okay. <laughs> right off the coast of Florida, in the Florida Keys, they had an underwater music show. <laughs> Does this happen in every any other state? Big Pine Key, Florida. Hundreds of divers and starkers listened to an underwater concert that advocated coral reef protection. Hey, I like coral reefs. Lower Keys Underwater Musical Festival, which also spotlighted eco-consciousness diving, took place at Luo Key Reef, an area of the Florida Keys National Marine Sanctuary. Yeah, you should see these people in this underwater uh, concert one guy's playing a ukulele a other guy has an electric guitar i'm not sure that's safe underwater but only in florida underwater uh, the the crowd was snorkeling they played yellow submarine obviously and some hits from the little mermaid it was a four-hour musical event i did not know that don't you have to come up too soon to be playing yellow submarine underwater right now (laughs) yes (laughs) Unbelievable. People lost their lives, sir. (laughs) Bad taste. Yeah, I mean, but snorkeling. Are they Jewish? There you go. (laughs) Oh, God. That's it. (laughs) All right. Well, Fitzy, it's been fun. It's a good show. Another installment of Windy City Sports Talk. We will be back next Tuesday at our regular time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you miss any part of the show or just want to listen to us again, like I said, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies. You can catch us on all podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Spotify, and Pandora. We're also available now on iHeartRadio. As always, make sure to click the like button, share, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. If you have any feedback for us or have something you want us to talk about or questions you want us to answer, you can email us at Combs and Fits, all one word, Combs and Fits at gmail.com. Good night, everybody. <laughs>